Hello, everyone. Welcome to Random Encounter, episode 223, or 223, if you actually say numbers like you're supposed to. Uh, I'm John O'Logan, and this is an episode of first and, uh, well, not really last, but ends for now. Because, first off, this is the last episode of Random Encounter that I'm going to be recording in Nova Scotia, at least for now. Uh, and that's a good thing, because it means I get back to my regular audio setup, which sounds considerably better than the little mic that I have on top of my computer right now. I'm very excited to have my mic arm back and and all of the all of those fun tools. And the other uh, end, I guess, is that this is the last episode of me hosting solo because Greg is coming back from his well-earned vacation. Uh, he's rested. He's I don't know if he's tanned or not. He lives on the west coast of Canada. We don't see a lot of sun there. Uh, but he is coming back. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, hosting with Greg again. This trip to Nova Scotia for me has been absolutely incredible. I think sometimes you really need, I've been here for a month and a week, and sometimes you really need some time to get away from your home and uh, reevaluate things. And I got to say, coming to Nova Scotia, uh, which is kind of like an oasis, oasis away from COVID, like they have 25 cases isolated and people freak out. And I'm like, I live in Ontario. Yeah, it's been really great seeing my parents again and having a wonderful time here, but I'm going to be glad to get home. Uh, But this is an episode of first as well, because this is the first episode that we are releasing on a Monday, and this is the way it's going to be from this point on. We are going to be alternating uh, with Rhythm Encounter, so it's going to be Random Encounter uh, on Monday, and then uh, Retro will be on Friday or Saturday or Thursday, end of the week, and then it's going to be rhythm and then retro and random and then retro and then rhythm and then retro and random and then retro. And that's actually a pretty good tongue twister when you try to say it really fast. But let's jump into what we have today. So we have two guests today, both of whom have been incredibly busy reviewing games lately. So uh, let's just go right in here. So first up is our returning champion, Audra. She has been in the last three episodes. She is uh, an absolute delight and she has been absolutely killing it with reviews. Audra, thank you for coming for the third episode in a row. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Great. And uh, Caitlin is here, so that probably means she's going to talk about Final Fantasy XIV. I don't know. Am I? Am I? You're not here to talk about it, but I can't stop you. That's true. I don't know. It'll creep up somewhere because, you know, 14 is everywhere. Yeah, it's an RPG fan podcast. We're legally obligated to mention Final Fantasy 14 at least six times or they revoke our, our they revoke our fan license. I think it has to probably be 14, right? 14 times, yes. Um, great. So anyway, there's been a ton of games out. Uh, I was hoping to talk to Audra first about a game that has generate a little bit of controversy of late, even though no one saw that controversy coming, really, because it looked like just a absolute uh, delight in many, many ways, and that is Boyfriend Dungeon. A lot of people have been really excited for this game for the last couple of years now. It finally came out, and Audra, you reviewed it, and uh, the review should have come out uh, yesterday, I think, and you really enjoyed it. You gave it an 81. Yeah, I did really like it, actually. It was very fun. Sort of a unique concept it was like a combination of vn and dungeon crawler yeah and obviously dating simulation yes the problem is you can't really talk about boyfriend dungeon without approaching a rather uh dark joke that the game is not what it sounds like uh it's not an actual boyfriend dungeon that would be a very different game that probably we would not be allowed to cover (laughs) yes it's pretty much a setup of like our our world but for some reason some people can turn into sentient weapons so you're basically bonding with characters that you 
can then take on into dungeons in your in their weapon form. Okay. And I think that's how they they call it boyfriend dungeon, even though it's actually a whole bunch of significant others. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Despite the fact that it's called boyfriend dungeon, this seems like a tremendously LGBTQ plus friendly game. Like there are multiple uh, gender and sexuality options to date. Yes, and you can even customize your character if you'd like, depending on your preferences. That's really really cool. Yeah, it's actually it's a really good game from that level i i can't really fault it at all for that it's maybe there's a little bit of controversy but we'll get into the controversy yeah (laughs) the controversy was actually it's interesting because the game is so inclusive in so many ways uh in terms of the in terms of the spectrum of uh, gender and sexuality options but at the same time there were there was some triggering content in it that could be very sensitive, especially for members of the LGBTQ plus community. Yes, there's a antagonistic character who's very has quite a few stalker tendencies. Well, well, we'll talk about that in a second. But why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about the gameplay, how the game works? Well, it's basically you you start off after you create your character, your avatar. You're going to this town called Verona Beach to <laughs> basically on a I guess quest to find yourself. Sorry, whenever you think of whenever you say uh, Verona Beach, I just think of the 1996 Baz Luhrmann Romeo plus Juliet. Uh, <laughs> yes, me too. A tremendously underrated movie. That's not this podcast. That might be another podcast. But sorry, it just you said Verona Beach, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. So anyway, sorry, I just got off. I, just, I, I, I have very fond memories of seeing that movie in theaters when I was a kid. Sorry, <laughs> nothing to be sorry about. So it takes place in Verona Beach. Yes, and. Apparently you learn about these people that can change into weapons because, you know, that's just a thing that happens. Is this a surprise to your character or is this something that's well known in this society? It's actually well known in the society. Okay. But your character can't turn turn into a weapon. You're what they call a wielder, which just means that you can use weapons in combat. Mm. And apparently what's starting to crop up is these dungeons that they're calling I think they call it, I think it's pronounced Dungeon? Dunge? Dunge? Dunge, I think, is how they pronounce it. It's D-U-N-J. I hate to interrupt you again, but I heard a cat in the background. Who's cat? Oh, that's my cat. She's just... She wants to be on the podcast. It's totally okay. (laughs) I'm allergic to cats, but thankfully I'm nowhere close. This is a very cat-inclusive podcast. We we approve of both cats and dogs. Yeah, she's a little not as loud as her brother, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. She might still crop up. Okay, that's totally fine. If she has something to, if she has some thoughts about Lake later on in the episode, I'm sure Caitlin would not mind. Oh, I would. I would love it if there were cats. Well, there are cats in Lakes, but like you know, more cats. Always more. cats. There should always be more cats. Yes. In fact, there's a cat in this game. Yes, there is. One of the weapons is actually a cat. Now that is well, uh, some would argue that cats are weapons, just not ones <laughs> you can usually wield. Yeah, it's very interesting that one because you bond more with the owner oh, okay. as a result of that like you the cat gives you a text number and then so you end up texting the the owner a lot of the time so they're like i think there's something going on with my cat oh. and they're like yeah maybe so you can't you can't date the cat or do you date the owner i actually never did that route but i don't <laughs> i believe you can't date the cat My partner's favorite childhood book is called Goodyear the City Cat, and it's just about a cat who 
like has a lovely home, but like leaves the home and explores outside and like finds a variety of other laps to sit on. And the cat's kind of like, quote unquote, owned by a number of people in this community. But then at the very end of the book, the cat goes home and it's like the best, the best lap is the hap- is the lap you have at home. Yeah, I think that's kind of actually how they were doing yeah. this one. Amanda was not happy when I pointed out that the book should actually be called Goodyear the Polyamorous City Cat. She, <laughs> she felt that I slightly ruined her childhood at that point. But um, so uh, we have uh, dungeons, dungeons. Uh, that pop up. Yes, and they're manifestations of people's inner fears. So what when you go into one, it'll turn in the monsters will turn into things that you're inherently afraid of. Oh, so there's like a Persona Four kind of thing going on here. Yeah, it's it's very similar. It kind of, the dungeon crawling actually reminds me of Persona, which I wasn't quite sure I liked as much because I feel like it's maybe on the simple side. Mm. But your fear is like inner commitment and getting to know people and stuff. So it, like it turns into the mall, turns into a place where there's phones attacking you. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept. It's an action RPG? Mm-hmm. You do um, combos to during the fight and each weapon has like different skills abilities that you can level up as you progress through the dungeons dungeon dungeon. dungeons (laughs) dungeon yeah it's spelled uh what is it Mm d-u-n-j-s dungeons wow yeah that's a that's a tricky combination of letters right there yeah it's hard to actually say i really am a fan of it the i guess it's a dual art style here like you have on the one hand you have uh the almost simplistic 2d kind of thing that looks a little bit like a actually it looks a little bit like a stylized zelda type game i know it's not but it's like overhead view that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and then you have i guess the visual novel dating sim side of it where you have like full character portraits of the weapons that you are theoretically dating yes they do vn style art for the story scenes and then for a lot of the the dungeon dungeon exploration let's just call them dungeons for fun okay yeah (laughs) For a lot of the dungeon explorations, they have it's more of a 3D overhead graphic style, which is really neat because that's when you see your character and they have some cute little animations for when you're fighting the enemies and everything. That is cute. Yeah, it's actually a, quite like you can even customize your character, like put on new hats and different clothing, and it'll show up in the graphics, which is. Just fun. See, I love when that happens. I hate when you have a static character and you equip a bunch of new stuff and they're just like the exact same. I like when you can have that impact on the character's look. Me too. Mm -hmm. I hate it when like games give you like, you know, you have your weapons and equipping new weapons and they just look the same no matter what you have equipped. I like things to reflect changes in equipment. Yeah. No, it was really fun. Mine, my character um, dressed in a star dress and then... They had on a phoenix hat, because why not? Absolutely, why not? Yep. Let me, it, it sounds also like the game is very, I don't know, but I don't know how accessible it is in terms of difficulty, but it, you, you mentioned that there's no real game over in it. It's just kind of like, if you die, you just go back to the beginning of the dungeon. You actually just go back to um, your apartment, ah, okay. pretty much, which is your base of operations. And then you can either travel through the town or go to the dungeon again mm. and carry on where you left off. Okay. So yeah, there really isn't a game over in it. It's more, in fact, it kind of encourages you to just kind of run through the dungeon until you get out of health, because that is the way you level up your weapons and your own character stats. 
Oh, so there's almost kind of like a like a roguelite kind of element to it. Yeah. Are the dungeons uh, procedurally generated, or are they uh, the same every time? I think they're procedurally generated. I'd have to. I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure they were slightly different depending on the level. Well, that gives a little bit more re- like I. Procedural generation is one of those things that if it's done really well, you don't notice. And if it's done poorly, it ruins the game. It definitely. I mean, I didn't mind any of the dungeons, so I don't think it was too bad. However, they were designed. They, I thought it was maybe a little too simple for a dungeon crawler. <laughs> like a little too on the easy side, but I really like the visual novel elements. Yeah, let's let's talk about those for a bit. Like, um, can you give us a taste of some of the... I guess, some of the dateable weapons that we can uh, meet in the game? Well, there's Seven, who's a Korean pop star, part of a boy band group, which he's interesting. He turned, he's a lightsaber. Oh. So he does like chain, area of effect, chain attacks. He was actually my main weapon after I ended up unlocking him. Well, I mean, you can't really beat a lightsaber. No. <laughs> and the cat is, you're basically your brass knuckles. <laughs> that makes all of the sense. Yes. yes. And the cat's just fun. Okay. And Valeria the dagger is, she's a fiery artist too. She has some fun just lines if you take her out on the hang, because each dungeon has hangout spots. Mm-hmm. And so she'll make comments about like art and stuff as you're going through dungeon areas and that's it's kind of just fun yeah i mean if anyone's curious about what some of the weapons look like we have lots of them in the gallery and there are uh there are a few of them in the screenshots that you post in the uh review Mm -hmm. yeah it's pretty it's interesting just the whole concept of them being weapons (laughs) because it's just like oh yeah by the way i can here i am and i turn into a dagger (laughs) yeah i remember when the game was announced the reaction among much of the staff here was like, "Why I want to play this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, th- it sounds really cool. Is it the relationships that you build with these characters? Are, do they have to be uh, relationships in terms of like romance or could there be friendships or you can go totally platonic if you like. Interesting. You can kind of, you can date around if you want to, or you could be just more to stay friends, hmm. which kind of, it depended on the character for me. Hmm, so does the game force you to pick one eventually, or are you allowed to have more of a polyamorous relationship if you want to? You can basically have a polyamorous relationship up until the very end of the game, where for the final battle, they make you choose between any of the weapons that you have a max rapport with. Okay. Hmm. And then that kind of goes into that that character is like your one true love for that route i guess <laughs> would be how i describe it okay uh and i'm assuming that the romanceable relationship is not with uh, the cat no <laughs> I-, I would no. hope not no definitely not everybody knows that cats don't love people <gasps> don't let her hear that no well i uh, i'm saying that sarcastically because i know i've read uh <laughs> articles about how yeah no your cat doesn't love you they're just using you you know you're just you're just whatever which i don't agree with i i i do personally think that cats love their people. I think so too. I think certain cats love their people. <laughs> I think cats are just like any other I was about to say cats are like any other person, but you, you know what I mean, like there's different personalities, there's obviously different attachment types. Some cats might be really attached to you and might love you very closely and other cats might be like you give me food now and that's our the extent of our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just yesterday last night just my mother is not like into YouTube at all, but just for fun, I started showing her uh 
My mom loves cats, which is news to me. I've been allergic to cats my entire life. And apparently my mother just hid it from me until I got a partner who adores cats too. And then my mother was like, oh my God, I love cats. And I'm like, you do? Um, so I started showing her Simon's cat videos last night. Have you guys ever seen that cartoon? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Simon's cat is it's fantastic, and she was tremendously entertained by it. There's a, there's a game. I I forget if it's a Apple Arcade exclusive, but there is a <sighs> game on iOS based on Caitlin, that. Caitlin, I was hope I was hoping you wouldn't mention that because about three months ago, I was feeling so burnt out on lengthy RPGs and just stories. So I started playing Simon's Cat, and I played the entire game, um, all of it. It's just it's a match three, and I it's such a gentle, nice story with very low stakes, and it was lovely, Aww. and I had a wonderful time playing it. So it was a good thing. It was a very good thing. And your mom might like it. I've actually downloaded it onto her iPad, so I'm hoping that she does play it because it's just it's very nice. If anyone if anyone out there is looking for a very simple match three game. That gets increasing, increasingly complex as you play, but is just is just nice. It's a good game to play. Um, let's touch very briefly on the controversy of Boyfriend Dungeon before we uh, move on to something else. So I didn't look into this too closely because I was avoiding spoilers, but I did read that there was a content warning at the beginning of the game that was updated soon after its release because quite a few people felt that uh, there was content in the game that should have been explicitly told to the player before they started it and i guess it had to do with a stalking character and emotional manipulation yes there's a character you can't really avoid him he's part of the story and hmm. he's not exactly a very pleasant character hmm. so i can see where they needed to amend the content warning for that but i mean i actually played the game after they had so mm -hmm. I, I felt that the new content warning was actually pretty accurate yeah i mean i uh, from what I've read, there were some people who were very, uh, very angry at it, who said that the, this character should be optional and should be able, you should be able to shut it off or get rid of it completely. And also, apparently, some people sent death threats to the actor who was playing the character, which is a level of insane that I can't even begin to contemplate. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like at that point, you are invalidating your own argument. Very true. Well, I'm, I'm glad that... Uh, Obviously, that content didn't interfere with your enjoyment of the game. Do you feel that if it was content that could be shut off, it would have a dramatic... It, how, how much of an impact would it have had on the overall experience of the game, do you think? Pretty much. He's the main antagonist, so it would have altered the storyline completely. Yeah, that's sort of where I was going with that. I can't help but feel that... I understand that the actions done by that character are very uncomfortable and in some cases horrifying, especially if someone who has actually gone through that sort of experience in real life. I mean, I got a little upset at times with it too. Yeah, it's, uh, it, but that's, that's part of the story that they were telling. That was their intent. It's not like the, there's a mom character that you get messages from that they gave the option to turn off. If you didn't want to receive messages from her. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a totally different level to that because, I mean, really, the mom character doesn't have an impact on this overall story, but hmm. he does. So I think it would be a very different game. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on to another game that uh, does not have, to the best of my knowledge, any controversy about it. But you really loved, I think it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yes, I loved it. It's called Opus Echo of Starsong. Yes, 
That is such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful sci-fi tale. So what is it exactly? Is it a visual novel or is it like a point-and-click adventure game? It's a graphic adventure. The developers actually describe it as a narrative adventure, but I mean, I feel like it's more graphic adventure with RPG and VN elements Hmm. in it in terms of how they present the story and what you can do in the game. Like you can actually upgrade your ship and make it viable for space travel. And that's part, a large portion of the gameplay actually yeah i'm looking at this and i feel like they slightly pulled from the aesthetics of ftl when looking at the ship Mm. it's just it's such a beautiful story about just learning to love yourself and bonds transcending time oh that's really nice it was a great game I was very pleasantly surprised by it. I really like the art style. Yeah, my sister was like looking through Steam games once and she was like, then she texted me and was like, you should try this one. And that's actually how I figured, um, learned about it at first. So I guess I should thank her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be a nice thing to do, especially because you liked it so much. You gave it a 90 and an editor's choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like it's fairly, obviously this is not like a massive budget game, um, but that's not a bad thing at all. Uh, how much? How long was the game? Like, how long was the overall experience? Would you say my playthrough was eleven hours, roughly? That's great. Yeah, it was actually. It felt like a full length game. It wasn't too long or too short, and it didn't drag out. That's the magic of both, like I guess, graphical adventures, visual novels. Is sometimes I don't want to say less is more because that's not what I mean, but sometimes it can be padded. Or there can be extra content in there just to make it feel more worth your while, worth that money. Yeah. And in reality, that kind of hurts the overall experience. But it sounds like this game doesn't really have a lot of that. It sounds like it, it sets out to tell a story and it succeeds wildly in that. Yes, I would say so. It's just, it's a very, the story alone is worth giving it a shot, I think. Fortunately, it plays well, but... <laughs> For the most part. Uh, you say that it's... Uh, I'm just reading your section here about uh, a variety of uh, the sound and the, the sound effects and the music and how this is the second game in a row, which you say that headphones are highly encouraged. Yes. I was actually really surprised when they had the headphones are recommended come on, <laughs> because I was like, that seems very familiar to me now. But there's actually... They use audio puzzles for the game, which is the star songs of the title. Mm -hmm. So it's actually quite interesting because you're matching up the tonal frequencies to advance the puzzles of the game. Oh, that would probably be up my alley then. So it's not like a a point-and-click inventory system or anything like that? Nope, not really. They have a... You do point-and-click for a little bit and you can move through areas, but then you basically use the controller or... However, you're trying to, to like adjust the tones. It looks like there's a fair bit of menu navigation in the game, like just for the uh, for the spaceship customization and for flying around the galaxy. Yeah, there's a lot of point and click for going to point A to point B and just customizing the ship, getting the materials you need to help upgrade it and keep you on the stronger side. Is it fairly linear or are there... I guess, alternative paths that you can take. It's fairly linear. There's two separate sort of stories that converge hmm. because in the beginning you're, you play as an old man who's walking through a cave system and then it goes into his recollections. Oh, so it's turned on a flashback. Mm-hmm. And so, and then at the very end of the game, it goes back to the old man in the cave and it, how everything connects from there. So it's a, it's an interesting storyline. I like the way they presented the storyline actually. Well, I'm really glad. It sounds like it's uh it sounds like it is a well let me put it this 
What would you say the experience, just since you played two games and you have the two reviews, Boyfriend Dungeon versus Opus, what, which, which one would you say was the more, just the, the game that made you feel like, okay, this is, this is kind of what I want to play to calm down and to have a good time? Probably Opus. It made me a little more hopeful and it just had a very calming effect in a way. Yeah, I, I mean, the first line of your review is really quite nice. Um, I don't think the review will be out by the time we... Uh, by the time this episode comes out on Monday, but it's it's not like I'm spoiling anything. You you very much enjoyed the game. Yep. Okay. Um, well, thank you very much for telling us about both of those games. They're both good, though. Yeah, I, well, absolutely. And you have been absolutely tearing it up with reviews lately, as we have. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, you and, uh, you and Bob are just knocking her out of the park consistently the last few weeks. And... I, as the, as the review manager, I very much hope you continue to knock it out of the park because you are making my job very easy. Hopefully I can. Yeah. And, uh, we will have you back on the episode at some point in the near future. You've been on three times already. I don't know if you'd want to make it a fourth, but if something interesting happens, we can always ask. Okay. Sounds good. But let's move on to someone who hasn't been on the podcast in a while. And I am absolutely delighted to have you back, Caitlin. Yeah, in a, in a scheduled capacity instead of a, you know, Caitlin Everywhere system appearance, like I think the last two times I was on. Hey, I like the Caitlin Everywhere system. It's, it, it's very controversial. Some people feel that by the end of the podcast, you know, it just constantly happens. But I like it. <laughs> yeah, so you have been... Uh, you've been reviewing games crazy, like a lot of them. Uh, you just actually got, you got a review code and I can't say what the review code is. I can say that I am super, super, super jealous about it. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. It is a review code of a game that is something that I have been looking forward to for quite some time. And you must come back. You must come on the podcast, uh, when it is revealed so you can rub it in my face. Oh, I will. You know it. Oh, I do know it. I've been I've been living it the last like twelve hours. Um, <laughs> but let's let's talk about a game that uh, is a little bit more, I guess, homey, a little bit more down at home. Kind of reminds me a little bit of New Glasgow, Nova Scotia, as a matter of fact. And that is Lake. Yeah. So uh, Lake is I forget. Uh, it was I think featured. Uh, gosh, it must have been an E three um, or one of the uh, the the summer uh, um, uh, game show uh, programs that revealed it. I just want to call it E3. I just feel like it's so much less trouble than trying to remember all of the all random the different names. names of the shows. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. They're all E3 now because they're kind of trying to pick up the slack for E3 not really being E3 anymore. So it came out of nowhere. I hadn't heard anything about this game. And the the core thing about it that was so interesting and made me want to check it out was this, it revolves around this idea of you are returning to your, your hometown um, uh, in the Pacific Northwest that you haven't been to in ages to do your dad a favor while he's on vacation, taking over his job as a mailman. And you are driving a mail truck around this small uh, mountain lakeside town, which is very pretty and very peaceful and uh, idyllic, delivering mail. And you get out of your truck and you deliver envelopes into mailboxes or you get a, get packages out of the back of the truck and you have to deliver them. And it's like, you know, I sat back and thought when I first saw the trailer, I was like, that could be fun. I've never really played a game that asked me to just be a mailman and, you know, 
and she'll and be a mailman like that. So I was like, okay, cool. A postage simulator. Right? Yeah. But in, in, in a, you know, kind of nicer way, I'm sure, than if it was like, you know, uh, power wash simulator or any one of these really hyper realistic simulators where, you know, train simulator where everything is super detailed. And I'm not sure people want the actual mail carrying experience because those people are all heroes, but they have to deal with a lot of crap as part of their job. Yeah. You don't want like a post office simulator where you're just dealing with idiots constantly trying to mail things with no postage on it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very much a sort of, um, idealized version of mail carrying. Um, but that fits within the theme. It's sort of, it's a very relaxing sort of setup with this game. There's a, there's a bare, you know, skeleton kind of plot in the sense of there's a reason why you're there. And there's a, there's a question that you have to answer for yourself by the end of the game, which is, do I want to keep doing this or do I want to go back to my, uh, my job, which I, mm, your job is you are an overworked and underappreciated computer programmer or computer uh, uh, professional. And I don't know anybody who would want to go back to that crap, but that's <laughs> yeah. an option. You can do that if you want. I did not, but that is an option. But yeah, you spend your days uh, uh, driving around this. Uh, it's it's very uh, pretty stylized kind of graphics. It's, it's sort of, you know, on, on the vein of like, you know, a... a life is strange i guess kind of look like that's the vibe i was getting from it yeah yeah kind of like cart a little cartoony and 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 not meant for like actual realism but more you know like you know like i said stylized um it's it's pretty the environment the town's cute it's not like it's the best graphical appearance you're ever gonna see there's you know there's plenty of uh you know sort of just nondescript appearance appearances and there there are graphical issues that crop up here and there but it's you know it does what it's supposed to do it it puts you in you know this this pretty little small lake town and asks you to deliver mail and all that and you do deliver a lot of mail and most of the mail you deliver doesn't really lead anywhere because most of the mail you deliver nobody's home or you know whatever but every once in a while when you deliver, you know, some envelopes to a mailbox or drop off a package, you'll run into someone who lives there. And some of them are people that your character remembers from when they were growing up here um, and they have to sort of reconnect a little bit. And others are people that they didn't really meet before and they get to know for the first time. And you have uh, little conversations with them and you have dialogue options in those conversations where you can pick different choices and your responses might be like, oh, you know, you might be polite or you might be kind of snarky or you might just say, you know, I, uh, I'm just delivering this package and I want to go. So bye bye. Um, and I'm about to say, depending on how you behave, you'll see different things. But you really you really don't like it's interesting. This game, one of the main features, aside from the fact that you're delivering mail, is that you talk to the people and you get to know them and you have dialogue choices. And their reactions do change in the small scale based on what you say, but there isn't as much uh, difference uh, in outcomes as I was expecting for a game whose one of their major component is a sort of, you know, choose your own response, a dialogue and narrative adventure kind of style game. For instance, uh, 
one of the, I guess, if you want to call it main plot things, is that your coworker um, at the post office is a real big fan of gambling on sports games, and he gets in trouble with the, you know, the powers that be in the postal service because of what he's doing, and you get interrogated as part of their investigation, and. It's possible maybe I just did not find the right set of options, but I played through the game twice, and it seems to me like no matter what you do, no matter what you say, everything happens the same way every time. Hmm. Like you can't out, you can't affect the outcome; it just happens. And with characters that you meet, like um, one of the characters that you run into is a, your old best friend that you lost touch with, and things are kind of awkward at first and you can be understanding or you can be kind of rude about it but no matter how you behave she will eventually reach out to you and you will reconnect and the only way you can not reconnect is to just outright reject her and say no I don't want to hang out with you and I presume if you do that then you just don't have any more cutscenes with her Mm -hmm. so it's kind of weird it's like it's less, I think, about you can make choices that change the outcome and more like you have flavor text that changes parts of the experience, but not doesn't really affect the major outcome. The only things that you really do seem to have a choice on that make change is you can potentially date one of two people in the town, and that will obviously change depending on who you want to go for. And then, of course, um, whether you choose to stick around at the end of your little vacation um, or if you want to go back to your job or, or there's a third option that you can do. And that's it. And everything else is just kind of like, as long as you agree to talk with people and help them out when they ask you to do things, you'll see the same cutscenes, and the dialogue will proceed in roughly the same direction with a little bit of difference depending on how you choose to react. So there's a lot of illusion, illusion of choice. Yeah, there's, there's kind of that illusion of choice. And it's more like you're just witnessing little moments in time. And when you're not doing that, you're delivering mail. And like at first, delivering mail part is kind of cool and novel because i mean how many games have any of us played where the main gameplay mechanic is deliver mail but you know you're doing this for two weeks in the game and it gets um a little old and it doesn't help that the controls are kind of frustrating it's just very funny to me that like you're right i was like yeah that there really haven't been a lot of games that are like male carrier simulators i wonder why yeah and then you it's like two hours later you're like oh that's why it's boring <laughs> it's super boring this is a boring boring job yeah and it doesn't help that the mail truck uh controls like <laughs> i mean maybe maybe i'm being harsh it's a truck it's a mail truck i'm sure they don't actually control you know handle very well in real life but this is it's super frustrating. I know it's not supposed to be GTA or anything like that, but at the same time, it's just like you can't making turns in this game is super frustrating. And then when you get out of the truck, Meredith just like does not want to move quickly. Even if you you can hold down uh, a button or trigger if you're using a, a gamepad to make her walk faster, but she just kind of like power walks when you do that and it's still super slow. So it's just a little frustrating to move around in the game. And it's a shame because it's a cute town. I mean, like, I actually kind of think the graphics work more in favor of creating the the town and the the setting than they do necessarily creating the characters and the cutscenes. Because the animation for characters is kind of awkward and very minimal, too. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the characters look 
you know, stylized and cool, but they just don't animate very well. Is the game an open world? Uh, yes, in the sense that you can go wherever. You, well, okay, you can go wherever you want within reason. There are invisible walls all over the place. Um, but you can drive around the town to your heart's content, uh, but it is a small lake town, so it's not like it's a huge world for you to explore. And the game does not want you to go off very far away from the roads and, you know, the places where you would be delivering mail. So it's it's kind of, it's open world-ish, but not really. It's a shame. Having grown up in a very small town, uh, the part of the fun of living in a small town is finding those areas that are just off the beaten path, like you know, following a creek and seeing where it goes and things like that. And I know that the game is the scale of the game is limited by resources. Mm -hmm. But if you're playing a small in a small town, those are the kind of experiences that make it memorable. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's where the control rub kind kind of comes in, because I would actually have liked to have done a little bit more exploring because I mean, the the town's cute. The the, the houses are all nothing's crazy, but they do a good job of sort of giving each house a, a different kind of look and making it feel like it's you know, different homes in the community that people live in, even if you don't talk to most of the residents that live there. But it's like, I have to choose between walking super slowly and getting, you know, nowhere in over like, you know, a half an hour if I wanted to walk it or driving a frustrating truck. And it's like, neither of those are appealing to me. So I just kind of stuck to delivering mail and didn't really, you know, walk around that much. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, um, that's kind of frustrating. And then there are a lot of glitches. Um, the game, I mean, it runs better than it did when, uh, if you check out the demo um, this past spring, uh, which is how I first kind of uh, looted the game myself. Uh, it runs better, but uh, there's lots of like weird bugs. Like um, I had to use my Xbox controller because for some reason I could not use the triggers in my DualShock or my DualSense controller. And even if I went into Steam and tried to reconfigure settings, I couldn't get it to work. So I had to use my Xbox controller, which is weird. Um, Characters sometimes would appear out of position in cutscenes, And I actually got stuck in geometry at the end of a cutscene because of that and had to reload. I wish you could say that was another feature of small towns, but I've never gotten stuck in. No, yeah. And I I didn't even experience some of the weirdest bugs. I've seen people uh, on the forum saying that they got up one day in the game and suddenly their character was teleported halfway across the map somewhere else without the truck. And they had to. Oh, yeah. I remember the days. I remember the days when I used to, I used to clip through the entire town just yeah boom. I discovered right teleportation. <laughs> you never know what happens in a small town. I'm gonna make the control truck controls better though. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, I'm sure they'll they'll have patches that will address some of these things. So maybe you know a lot of that will go away. But I mean, it, the game definitely shows its indie roots, and I wish that the content. And the experience was enough to say that I'm cool with dealing with those pitfalls, but I just, it's a, it's a weird thing. Um, my review is going to go up, uh, hopefully, uh, shortly after, uh, this podcast comes out next week. And one of the things I say in that is that it's a really weird, this game simultaneously overstates its welcome because you're so kind of just done with delivering mail by the end of the in-game two week period, but also leaves you wanting more because I've, I wanted, I don't know, I wanted more time with the characters and I wanted more development of their stories and I wanted to feel like there was more of an impact. Like, I, it doesn't have to be a dramatic story, but 
it's just kind of like, I don't know. I feel bad for saying that it's meant to be a relaxing game, but I want it to be more interesting. I mean, if you if you really just want to, you know, sit back, deliver some mail, talk to some interesting, well, some of them are interesting. A lot of them aren't, but there are a few good characters. Uh, then you might very well like it. I just, I don't know. It. I think I expected it to be a little bit different than it ended up being. And maybe that's partly on me, but I don't know. Your mileage may vary. I, I think you sum it up beautifully with your bottom line in the review, which is one of the best bottom lines I've read. Uh, just like real mail, late takes too long to get anywhere, and most of it is stuff you probably don't care much about. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Every now and then I have some really good zingers, and I really hate to to pull them out on games sometimes, especially because I was looking forward to this game too. And like, it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's getting an okay score from me. Lower than I, you know, tend to give, but an okay score. I think you either are reeling into its vibe and it's worth it to get now, or you might want to wait a little bit and see if they drop it the price a little bit and check it out later. Um, or, you know, put it on your wish list and, you know, have someone get it for you for like a gift or, you know, something like that. Now I think you're completely fair in this. You gave it a 73. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, you really, the reason why it's getting a 73 mainly is because you hit them on controls and that is completely fair. That has nothing to do with whether or not the game is, you expected the game to be relaxing or a little bit more up pace. That just has to do with, it's not really all that fun to do things in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think that's totally fine. Um, well, let's talk about a game that is is also picturesque, but is very picturesque in a different way. A very different way. A few months ago, Fantasian Part 1 got released for Apple Arcade, and this game had some pedigree. It was uh, from many people who worked on the original Final Fantasy, and it was it looks like nothing else. It uses dioramas as backgrounds with characters, uh, 3D models of characters, you know, going on these, uh, on these dioramas. And it looked absolutely incredible. It was billed as a like full length classic RPG, uh, in the style of like PlayStation, original PlayStation, Final Fantasies and things like that. And you reviewed part one and you really, really enjoyed it. You gave it an editor's choice and a 92, but you did kind of look at it and think, well, What's going to happen in part two? Like, how will part two complete the experience? And I know you haven't finished part two yet. You're currently in the process of it. But thus far, does it live up to those expectations? Uh, It's kind of interesting um, with part two. So we knew going into this, uh, um, uh, Sakaguchi told us that part two was going to be more quest focused and less sort of story. uh, How to put this? There's a lot of story dump in part one. There's lots of, there's plenty of combat and some side quests, but it's a lot of story dump. And we were told that part two was going to be less story dump and more quests and less, less linear as a result. And it is definitely that, like he was not joking. Like the very, you know, you start off part two and you start getting inundated by uh, main story quests, side story quests, and all of a sudden they have level recommendations, which d- did not exist in for, in part one, and you can do them in any order you please. Some of them you probably don't want to do right at first because they're too high leveled for you, uh, and the level recommendations are more like you might want to be above the level that they recommend because mm. the combat has gotten a lot harder. The bosses are kind of brutal, especially... Uh, early on in part two before you get 
all the full crew uh, together and start giving them upgrades and whatnot. And it is definitely less linear in that sense that you can do quests in any order. And a lot of the quests so far are not involving the full party. They're only involving the related characters because the game obviously can't assume necessarily that you have everybody in your party at any given time. So it's definitely what they said it was going to be. Um, I, I'm i not sure how I feel about it so far because I'm enjoying it. And um, I'm kind of sometimes not enjoying the boss encounters because... Um, it's kind of a weird experience. They, I feel sometimes like they are almost too overtuned. Like that, some people will think that that's great. Like some people really want a hard challenge, and I'm not necessarily like, oh, I want to play on easy. But some of them are really frustrating. Um, some of them are just like you are not meant to do this boss until you have a certain character or you've leveled up enough, and the game doesn't tell you that. So you trial and error, fight a boss, die a couple times, and then like say, okay, I'm coming back later. And every boss, just like in the first part, has a gimmick where there's a mechanic you have to deal with in order to beat them or make the experience not a living hell. And we have to figure that out by trial and error, too. And sometimes it's not immediately obvious, how do I do this? Um, so I've been using Reddit a lot uh, for my own sanity to try and like figure out, okay, how do I beat this? Mm. Um yeah. So that's going to be a your mileage may vary thing. I think some people will really like that the challenge is upped in this uh, second half of the game. And it's nice in that sense too, because um, one of the, one of the things that the, that part one introduced right in the 11th hour when it almost didn't really make a difference was this uh, upgrade system, this uh, character upgrade system called the growth map. You only got it on Leo, the main character, and you didn't really have a lot of time to level up enough to, uh, use it. It kind of works similar to the sphere grid from Final Fantasy X, where you get uh, you you unlock nodes in a web-like format, depending on how many uh, points you have. Um, you get points from leveling up. You don't have to collect items like you did uh, in Ten, but it's sort of a similar concept of you level up, you gain points, you put it into this upgrade map and it can do mundane things like increase your stats, but you also can unlock new abilities. You can uh, improve certain abilities. There's a lot of potential for each character in how you want to build them. And the game lets you reallocate points without penalty and on, and on the fly, which is really nice because I think they clearly want you to, make changes uh, while you're leveling when you don't have access to enough points to take everything to modify characters as necessary for the situation at hand. And that's where the mm. trial and error kind of comes in. You fight a boss, figure out what their mechanic is, and if you don't have the tools for it, maybe the solution is to go into the growth map and change out skills and then come back and try again. So all the characters now get access eventually once you get them in the party to their own growth maps. And so there's lots of different options. Thank God several characters get a uh, multi-party member healing, heal spell, because that was one of my biggest bugbears about part one and early part two is lack of good access to healing more than one character. So that's that's all cool. And that, you know, that makes the boss encounters even more of a puzzle to figure out, like, you know, you might have to alloc reallocate skills to fight a boss. Um, but... The other, I guess, I don't know, where I'm kind of not sure about is it is super not linear right now, you know, in the sense of I can do quests in any order and 
A lot of them have been side more like they feel more like side quests uh, for characters that involve, uh, you know, getting them goodies or improving your options in the growth map. And there's story bits there, but because they only focus on one character and they're, you know, you can do them whenever they feel disjointed and they don't feel as connected. It's not, it doesn't feel like a story right now so much as here's a bunch of smaller stories and you're doing them alongside your overarching goal. And I haven't, I think actually I take that back. Uh, I just did one of these quests that does, I think, pertain to the main story and is going to point me in the direction of a path to travel for main story purposes. So finally I got there Mm. and maybe once I, I haven't started going down that path, maybe once I do the story will, will be more sort of like direct and uh, you know, a through line through the story as it were. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's um, it's an interesting sort of dichotomy between part one and part two. And I, like I said, I am only maybe, maybe about halfway through. I, I, I'm judging purely based on character levels and I know what level the final boss is recommended to be at. So I'm, I'm roughly halfway there, I think. So we'll see how things kind of shake up in the, um, the second half of the game. And the game, I mean, things that you really liked about the first half are presumably carried over here. Like I am assuming the dioramas are still absolutely stunning. Oh yes. Yeah. They're still super beautiful and amazing uh, to look at. And, and, you know, I'm still in awe of the, uh, the ambition and the vision to do it like this. Like it still very much tickles the, um, the, uh, the nostalgia that, you know, that we all have for classic PS1 Final Fantasy uh, games. It wears it on its sleeve too. Yeah. I said this when you were originally talking about the first one, just it's such a brilliant way to evoke that sense without actually resorting to like pre-rendered graphics and that, that old style. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I wish that any game in the future that wants to do that classic pre-rendered style should just do this instead. It's just so nice. But 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 please maybe more higher resolution screenshots if you know you're going to be zoomed in in a particular area cuz that is still a problem. I mean, I'm I'm not surprised it is cuz I don't, you know, they did so much work uh before part 1, but you know, that's that's still a problem. Well, it's interesting because the way that Apple Arcade has designed this particular release is part one and then part two, which, you know, we are evaluating as their own separate entities. But from this point on, presumably the entire game is going to be released as one package. It's not going to be part one or part two. It's just going to be Fantasian. So if it does get ported to, let's just say the Switch, for example, because I think that's a a pretty good bet that it will be at some point, because that's a great fit, then the game would have to be judged just as itself, not part Mm -hmm. one, part two. Given you're you're only halfway through it, but do you think that if you kind of looked at the whole game like that, would your opinion be slightly different? You know, in some respects, I guess their decision to end part one where they did, I don't, I think they should have ended it a little bit earlier, to be frank, but um, it is, part one does kind of end right before the game obviously enters this non-linear uh, segment. And I guess maybe in a certain sense, that's wise because it's such a, dr- well, I was going to say drastic. It's not like it's a huge, but it's a, it's a noticeably different sort of um direction the game goes in so having those two parts be separate helps contain them a little bit i don't know Mm. how it would feel if you if someone like for instance hadn't played part one when it came out back in april and instead 
uh, was playing it for the first time right now, I don't know how that would feel to them. Well, someone it, will get that very soon because there's there is no way this is staying on Apple Arcade. And I am a big supporter of Apple Arcade. I think it's I think it's a, actually a fantastic service. Some of the games they were releasing are just amazing. But if they want this thing to get a little bit more exposure, they really are going to have to reach out to other audiences on other platforms. Yeah, and I mean, like, of course, um, it really depends on the details of their uh, contract with Apple. Like, we don't mm-hmm. – Apple is, is, is a producer or is listed as having produced the game, I believe. So um, it depends on, you know, what the deal is. If it's if Apple wants it to be only on, on iOS, then that's where it's – gonna stay but if it's allowed to to leave uh apple devices then then yeah i mean switch seems like a a natural pc obviously it should come to pc yep you know there's a case to be made for it to be on every uh system and they they you know like i I mentioned this before i think they designed it to me i believe sakaguchi literally said they designed it as if it was on a console um so i think either whether that's to help with the nostalgia factor or because he and Mist Walker wanted to prepare for a possible, you know, future where the game is ported. I don't know, but like it's ready to be on a console. Yeah. I mean, we, for switch owners right now, it's a little bit for all of the final, they can't, you can't get any of the good final fantasy or final fantasy inspired games. You can't get Fantasia. You can't get final fantasy one through six. You can't get final fantasy 14 on the switch. Actually, that would be almost impossible or would it? Actually, it's it's an older game. Do you think that no, would no, be no, possible? No, 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 we do <laughs> not know. No, 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 no. Uh, Same reason why I don't want that game on uh, any Xbox lower than like the Series S because we do not. Fourteen does not need to be saddled with subpower hardware mm. to run it. And oh my God, can you imagine playing? Uh, I, I'd rather, you know, to be fair, you're going to be able to play Fourteen on the Steam Deck, and that's a Switch-like experience. But it's going to be a lot closer to what you would expect from playing on a on a portable PC versus the Switch. And I don't even want to think about how you would engage in party chat and come, you know, like on 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 the Switch because where you can't even plug in a, a Bluetooth headset. No. Yeah. Oh, that Bluetooth headset thing is just a heartbreaker. Yeah, it drives me crazy. In fact, that's been the pr- my primary use of my PlayStation Five headset, which is amazing has been using it on the switch. Oh, so it comes with a a cable if you want to It comes with a US it comes with a uh, wireless USB dongle. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it works flawlessly. Just plug it plug it into the back of the switch and you have a wireless set of headphones that work perfectly with the switch. You don't get like the 3D audio you would with PlayStation yeah, 5 games. Right. It was an expensive purchase, but I'm not going to lie. It was a well that purchase was well worth it for be allowing me to sit on my couch and play a switch without having a giant long cable. I am a fan of it. Anyway, well, thank you both so much for your thoughts about all of these games. Um, Some of these reviews are not out yet, but the embargoes are well past, so we can talk about them happily. Now, I've been trying to think up a discussion question as we've been going on here, and I have one, and it's a little bit... I I don't know. I'm just curious for both of you. Here's my discussion question. Is there a game that came out in a prior generation of console that you completely missed and unfortunately you just don't really have an option to play it anymore, but you really, really want to play it. Like, is there a game? I'll I'll just give you an example of mine. I didn't have a PlayStation 3 and I really, to this day, have still never played 3D Dot Game Heroes. I really want to play that game, but it's like, it's not available. I don't have a a console I can play it on. It's never been re-released. 
I can't find a PlayStation 3. I suppose I could buy a used one for a single game, but it's a game that I really, really would like to play. And I can't because it looks like a pitch perfect Zelda homage and it looks awesome. And at some point, hopefully it gets a re-release. But are there any games that you missed in a console generation and you you just don't really have an option to play them? And uh, Caitlin, do you want to go first? No, I don't. I have backlog games that I want to play, but they're games I can play because they're accessible. Mm. So it's hard for me to think of a game I missed that I want to play that is difficult or impossible to get a hold of anymore. I don't know, maybe maybe something on um, the PSP or Vita store. Uh, I'm really trying to think, though. Actually, I was thinking um, Gruelands are 6, just because it never came out in English. I don't even know that game. What, what game is it? Gruelands are 6. It's a strategy RPG. Huh. They're actually pretty... The games I've played in the series are pretty good, so I've always wanted to try that one out. It's a sequel to the one that's not so good, but I'm hoping that maybe they fix elements of it. <laughs> I think that is totally legit. Like, I mean, if we're talking about, like, games that were released on consoles that we never got an opportunity to play, I, I, I still haven't played Trials of Mana. I need to. It's on my Switch. I really do want to play it. I haven't had time yet. Um, but for years, that was unavailable unless you were using an emulator and a fan translation. I'd also like to try the PSP Suikoden, only just because I just want to play all the Suikoden games. Uh, there is no shame in, pl- in wanting to play all the Suikoden games. That's a that's an admirable goal, in my opinion. Earlier today, we've got. I, I don't. I'm not going to call it bad news because it's not bad news, but like uh, the Eoden. Yeah, it's kind of confirmed. It's not coming out till 20. 20- 23 and that's like oh no but it'll be just all the more awesome for it that's how i look at it you want to know what you're absolutely right they're taking the time to get it right and that's what matters yep caitlin if you don't have an answer off the top of your head or can't think of one that is not a big deal i can't i can't i I don't do well (laughs) with questions like this i need the question in advance so i can think about it because it's always like oh, think of one thing out of a bazillion different things. And it's like, I don't do well with that on the spot. Normally, I would have given you the question ahead of time, but I was I was trying to think it up as we went along. And then it might be one of those cases where you come up with an answer later and you're like, darn. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Caitlin, just name something on your backlog that you want to play. Lost Odyssey. Done. Which I can I can play because it's on Xbox Live, so I can do that. Xbox Live is an amazing service that I do not have, but... It is very impressive from what I've heard of it. Well, I mean, it's just it, you can buy it on Xboxes. I mean, you, you don't. I don't think you have to have live to play it. It's just you can buy it digitally and play it on an Xbox One or whatever. Ah, okay. Which actually, I think I might already have access to it through a friend. Um, <laughs> but I definitely, I really want to play it now because of playing Fantasian. I, um, you know, since it is a Mistwalker game and has a kind of a similar thing with the whole narrative, uh, the, uh, the story, uh, the, the the novel elements of the story um and of course that sweet uematsu soundtrack yes absolutely well uh thank you for your answers on that and if anyone out there uh has a a game on your an impossible game in your backlog that you can never play for reasons send it in we might take a look at them on the next episode of the show um or if you have any questions at all any ideas for our uh our regular discussion question at the end please just send us a message at podcast at rpgfan.com and or you know feedback anything like that i'll get into the context stuff in a few minutes i want i just want to really thank you both for coming on and talking about these games it's been a lot of fun audra thank you for being on all three of my solo episodes that's been oh, amazing welcome. it's been fun i'll try to get better at talking in general are you kidding me you're 
you're excellent. You're wonderful. Oh, thank you. Uh, if you if you have not read one of the 27, 28 reviews she's written in the last week, you absolutely should, listener. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is my last episode for the time being. Uh, but Greg will be back with me, and the two of us will be together as like the this dynamic duo. I guess we're gonna have to fight over who gets the sidecar now and where's the Robin costume because that's how we do this thing. So yeah, we have tons of random encounter uh, in the backlog, just hundreds of episodes. If you ever want to dive in there, they're all really, really interesting. Uh, I've been enjoying some of the older ones lately, and I think you will too. On top of random encounter though, we have a number of other RPG fan podcasts. We have uh, our weekly podcast focusing on all things retro, retro encounter hosted by Mr. Mike Solosi. There are a lot of exciting goings-on uh, about Retro Encounter, and I will not be spoiling any of them because it is not my show. It is Mike's, and Mike would kill me. But I think that if you're a fan of Retro Encounter, you should be very excited for the next few months because I know some of the episodes that are coming up, and it's going to be some, some really interesting stuff. Speaking of interesting stuff, Rhythm Encounter is back once again. Uh, I just started editing the Final Fantasy XIV episode because I have to mention Final Fantasy XIV because Caitlin is here and she would get angry if I didn't. Mm-hmm. I think we almost managed to make it six times at least. Six times. Oh, hopefully that'll get passed. Yeah, so it's a music episode. And Caitlin, I suspect that you have many thoughts about the music of Final Fantasy XIV. You're not on the episode, but would you like to like say like a few words about the music? Apologies in advance because you're going to have to bleep me. It's f***ing awesome and you should f***ing listen to it and give Soken all the love because he deserves all of it. Yes. Soken, Soken is a national treasure, whether it's Japan or the world. I think he belongs to the world because the world loves him. That was the general theme of the episode. So uh, if you love the music of Final Fantasy XIV, or if you aren't into the game yet, like me, and just want to hear some amazing music, uh, absolutely. Give it a listen. Uh, I'll also be guest hosting another episode in a few weeks. I'm really looking forward to that. Not going to tell you what it is, but uh, I'll give you a hint. We're going to be uh, we're going to be tickling a lot of ivories, which basically tells you what it is. Um, we also have our partner podcast, Phoenix Edge, with Hat and Eric. They are talking about news every week. They're keeping uh, listeners up to date about the current goings on in the uh, in the world of RPGs. There's always a ton of news on the horizon. There's going to be a ton of news in the future. September is, I mean, in the in the Apple tech world and stuff, they call it Techember, and I feel that's the same for video games because. You know, historically, we got a Nintendo Direct in September. Who knows? We might get another one. That would be awesome. And if we do, we will talk about it on here. But yeah, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me at John O'Logan on Twitter. Uh, like I said, you can send us some uh, love, ideas, questions, anything you want at podcastrpgfan.com. And uh, for our guests, can you tell us uh, where we can find you? Audra, where can we find you online? I am. My email is Audra B at rpgfan.com. And that's pretty much it. That, absolutely. And uh, Caitlin, where can we find you? Uh, I am Aurelia Burrell on Twitter. And they can also probably find you on the uh, the RPG Fan Discord, correct? Right, under the same, same handle. Awesome. Okay, well, that's it for us this week. Thank you, all of you, for listening. And uh, we will be back in two weeks. Greg will be back, and we will have a lot to talk about. I get to talk to him about his vacation. He gets to talk to me about my vacation. I promise that won't be the whole episode. We'll be talking about games, too, but uh, tune in then. Thank you all and uh, have a great night.